morning, esteemed Sister Maka. Good morning, everyone. Well, welcome to the Inspired by the World Times of Devotion. Um, first, I'd like to thank the esteemed Sister Maka for the opportunity to lead this morning prayers. We're going to be reading from 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 4. It says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of truth. Praise God. So this morning we are praying, we're praying against the plan to create a tribe of fully vaccinated versus those who are not in order to infuse more pressure on the church and Christians. We're declaring that this demonic plan will fall flat and the church will continue to work stronger in the truth of God's word. We are also praying against deceptions. We are praying against deceptions of men and we are also praying for the leaders of the nations that their eyes of understanding are opened in the name of Jesus. Let's go and speak in other tongues. Para 
Reba, 
in the name of Jesus, we pray against the plan to create a tribe of fully vaccinated versus those who are not in the in order to make to infuse more pressure on the church. We come against it by the power of the Holy Ghost. We come against the plan of the evil ones. We come against the plan of the devil upon the nations of the world. It is not the time of the devil. So we declare by the power of the Holy Ghost. All of their plans, oh God, are a huge failure by the power of the Holy Ghost. Only Jesus has authority over the nations of the world in the name of Jesus. We pray for leaders of the nations of the world. They are not manipulated in the name of Jesus. They receive only godly counsel and their eyes are open in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord God, because only the will of God prevails over all of the nations of the world by the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, mighty Redeemer. For in Jesus' mighty name we are prayed. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good morning, esteemed Sister Maka. Good morning, everyone. Once again, we are welcome to the inspired inspired by the world times of devotion thank you so much esteemed sister maka for the opportunity to lead the prayers this morning um right now i'd like to hand over to you ma for the rhapsody of reality segment thank you ma
We give you all the glory. We give you honor. We give you all the glory. We give you honor. We give you all the glory. We give you honor. We give you all the glory. We give you honor. We give you all the glory. We give you honor. Lord, we give you honor. We give you honor. Alagusa karabashanda barababa sikitili brandili kibosa. Thank you, Father. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you all adoration. You are God and there's none like you. You are the only one like you. Thank you for yet another day. Thank you for the gift of Sundays, the gift of fellowshipping with all the believers in our local churches. Thank you, Father. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Sister Joy, for those times of prayers. Um, today is Sunday, the 18th, the 18th of April. And today's article says, take your place as a praying priest. What we just did in the last almost 15 minutes was taking our place as a praying priest. Our opening scripture is taken from Psalm 149 from verse six to seven. It said, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the healing and punishments upon the people. He said with praises, in our mouth and the word of God in our hand. You know, when he said two-edged sword, you know, when he says sword, you know that he's talking about the word of God. Said by both, we would execute vengeance upon the hidden and punishments upon the people. The bad decisions and choices of many world leaders have brought about the destruction and decimation of economies and other untold hardships experienced around the world today. In the scriptures, you'd observe these things were foretold a long time ago, and they are today being hatched by Satan, satanic powers. The plans for a one-world government, one-world economy, and one-world religion were all foretold in the Bible. The Bible declares, so justice is driven back and righteousness stands as a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm worked salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. Isaiah 59, 14 to 16, NIV translation. You might want to read the whole chapter. The phrase, no one to intervene, actually means there was no intercessor. Can you see why you must take your place as a praying priest and intercessor? We are the executors of the will of the Father. We are the ones to establish his reign and righteousness in the earth and in the hearts of men. This is your role today as a Christian. We are the ones to establish his reign and righteousness in the earth and in the hearts of men. This is your role today as a Christian. Don't just sit idly by and watch these vicious destructions and chaos 
continue unabated. Take a stand and say no to the havoc, the mayhem, the destruction, the chaos, and turmoil, and the turmoil the devil is unleashing in the world. Intercede fervently for world leaders, presidents, and prime ministers of nations, that their hearts and minds be guided away from the devil's manipulation. Pray that they desist from choices and decisions that jeopardize the future of their nations, whilst resisting ideas that plunge their people into poverty and death. It could take days, it could be weeks or months before you see the change that you require, but don't stop. Keep praying because you're causing a shifting in the realm of the spirit. Things are changing in the direction of God's will and purpose for our world as we pray. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You see, the beautiful thing about prayer is that part of prayer that is called the prayer of agreement, where the Bible says that if two or more of you will call, we agree concerning anything on earth, he said it shall be done. You know, the thing about the word of God, they are like laws. If you play your part, the other parts consider it as done. So if you were just I and Sister Joy that is praying for the nations on a daily basis, there will be a change. It's not because we are many that are praying. It is because the word of God says that if we agree, if two or more of us will agree concerning anything on earth, it will be done by our Father in heaven. And, you know, this should give you confidence in knowing that things can change in your nation. So I don't know where, what country you live in, what country you do business, or what country you have to, you know, go in and out from time to time. What matters is that you can cause the desired change. Maybe the business policies there are so terrible and, you know, they are cycling the life out of your business opportunities. Maybe it has to do with the government um, taxes and, you know, regulations, whatever the case is. We are using, we're, we're being given the, the, the example of ex especially what's happening in our world today. You know, I remember when we started praying last year concerning this whole pandemic thing. At some point, it looked like we were the only one. It looked like it was just Pastor Chris. And as we began to pray, people began to be bold. They began to come out. The World Doctors Alliance began to talk. Question is, why weren't they talking from the beginning? But when we started praying, things began to come up. You know, at some point for them to even speak out, they would lose their medical license. And many of them have actually lost it, of which they will get it back because justice will prevail and we are praying. But people became, became so bold and they didn't care what they lost anymore in standing for the truth. And that's because we've been praying and we'll continue to pray. For instance, the first 15 minutes every day, we're praying for world leaders. We're praying in different places. For those of you in Nigeria and you are into the crypto industry, you know how much it was you got affected when the government rose up and said that uh, and began to um, 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 like restrict all accounts that had to do with trading you know, they basically seized the accounts. You know how it affected businesses for many people. You know, so this is where we are praying. And I don't know if you have prayed about it or if you just felt like, oh, this our government is just being stubborn. No, it's something you should pray about because we're in business to prosper the work of the gospel. So nothing, no, no government regulation, no policy should be interfering with the flow of our business. You know, so there are many things that can happen in the nation where you are that can affect a lot. And this is why we must learn to pray. If it is not something that we probably are praying about on a daily basis, you can call one or two friends and say, guys, I want us to pray concerning this thing. 
a prayer of agreement is something that you should always take advantage of. And I tell spouses, why spend your time to fight when you can pray about the matter? There are many, many things that um, is a, to a couple can change because of the power in the prayer of agreement. You know, so take advantage of it. I, there are quite a number of couples who they wake up in the morning, the wife is having her own devotion time, the husband is having his own devotion. Oh, of course, the, the, the quiet time that spouses must, must have is important because we are all first Christians before we are husbands or wives or whatever the case may be. You know, so your quiet time with the Lord is very key. But I'm saying that what happened to devotion? What happened to time together as a husband and as a wife? You would do so much praying together than praying separately. I'm not talking about your personal ministry now. I'm talking about taking advantage of the prayer of agreement. There is nothing that both of you will bring to that prayer time, that prayer altar that would not be done. It may take days, it may take weeks, it may take months. A few may take years, but it will be done. That is certain because the word of God cannot be altered and it cannot be changed. He said, where two or more of you who agree concerning anything, he said to be done by our father in heaven. So take advantage. You have a friend. What do when you will meet together and you see often, maybe you attend school together or you do business together. What's your day like? Do you just go through the day after you've done business, you talk about your friends, you talk about cars, you talk about relationships, you talk about everything else, no prayer. There's so much that can happen for you. You go very far if you are a praying person and you can use your friendship as a tool for that. I was telling you guys when we started this whole devotion thing in January 17, when the year started, I had gotten an accountability partner and I'm like, see, let's do this. I want to be consistent in my, in my um, um, Bible study, uh, in my devotion every day. Can we do this together? And we started. But by the time it was 16th of January, the Spirit of God was saying, let's take it to the Inspired by the Word group. And that's how this whole thing started. So it started by two people saying that we're not just going to sit by and live life anyhow. There are many things we can gist about in that one hour, but we decided that it was going to be dedicated to the Lord and our devotion time. And then that's what bettered this whole stuff. So use your friendships wisely. Spend it interceding. Spend it changing things. Spend it investing in yourself. Spend it making things happen in the world. Two of you as friends, three of you, four of you, five of you, you can change a lot. It might be once in a week you say, I, 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 I have sisters who they, they pray, they pray consistently together. You see them just like, oh, this, these friends, these ladies are very good friends. No, it's not just to wear very nice clothes and take pictures on Sundays. No, they pray together. So. Um, let us participate in what God is doing in the world. Let us help to change things. Let us help to bring the will of God to pass in our world. You know, we are prevailing in the place of prayer, insisting that irrespective of what people want, as influenced by the devil, we are insisting that the will of God prospers in our nation and God's purpose for our world is what takes the, the takes priority in the world of men. So be encouraged, be encouraged. On a daily basis, we are posting the prayer points on the Telegram group where we're praying for the nations. Even though we have a particular nation we're using as, a, as, as an example on a daily basis, you can use it for your nation too. You can use it for whatever nation that the Spirit of God is inspiring you to pray. Praise God. Thank you so much. I'll hand over to Sister Joy for the further study and then the Rhapsody prayer. Go ahead, Sister Joy. Thank you so much, Ma. Okay, so we're taking the further study. I'm reading from... I'm reading from James 5, 16, from the Amplified Classic. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your sleeps, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, 
and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Ephesians 6.18 Praying always with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit. For I'll take that again. Ephesians 6.18 Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we're going to be taking the prayer together. You don't have to unmute your mic. Just repeat. You don't have to unmute your mic. Just repeat after me wherever you are. Righteous Father, the powers that be, the powers that be are ordained of you. Therefore, I pray that your righteousness would prevail in the lives of leaders of nations around the world. Protect their minds from wrong counsels and judgments and let the wisdom of God be granted them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, esteemed Sister Maka, for this wonderful opportunity. Right now, I would like to hand over to Brother Z as he takes us through the New Testament reading of the one-year Bible plan. Thank you so much, everyone, for your time. Have a beautiful Sunday ahead. Good morning, Sister Joy. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon. Good evening, depending on what part of the world you are connecting from. Welcome to the Inspired by the World Times of Devotion. Thank you, Sister Amaka, for this wonderful platform. But we've been taking the New Testament Bible reading. We've been reading the message translation. It's been a very interesting read. I'll say congratulations to everyone that has been consistent with it. And um, today we're reading from Luke chapter 17. And the caption is a kennel of faith. I always love topics on faith. Verse 1 says, he said to his disciples, hard trials and temptations are bound to come but too bad for whoever brings them on. Better to wear a milestone necklace and take a swim in the deep blue sea than give one of these dear little ones a hard time. This is what's coming to people that are making things difficult in the world as we see it right now. It's better for them to wear a milestone necklace and take a swim in the deep blue sea than give one of these little ones a hard time. Verse three, be alert. If you see your friend going wrong, correct him. If he responds, forgive him. Even if it's personal against you and repeated seven times through the day and seven times he says, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Forgive him. You know, Jesus is saying, even if he repeats it seven times and he says, I'm sorry, seven times. You know, most times people offend us and they say, I'm sorry. And you'd be like, sorry for yourself, you know. How many times do you keep on doing it? But Jesus is saying we should have this persistence in forgiving because everybody's at a different level of knowledge. So when they say, I'm sorry, you should forgive. Praise God. Verse 5. The apostles came up and said to, to the master, give us more faith. But the master said, you don't need more faith. There is no more or less in faith. If you have a beer kernel of faith, say the size of a poppy seed, and you could say to this sycamore tree, go, jump in the lake, and it will do it. Suppose one of you has a servant who comes in from plowing the field or tending the sheep. Will you take his coats? set the table and say, sit down and eat, wouldn't you be more likely to say, prepare dinner, change your clothes and wait tables for me until I finish my coffee, then go to the kitchen and have your supper? Does the servant get special thanks for doing what's expected of him? It's the same with you. 
when you have done everything expected of you, be matter of fact and say, the work is done. What were we, what we were told to do, we did. You know, here Jesus is describing the characteristics of faith. That faith is just like the servant that you send on an errand. He went to the, he went to the, to the farm and did all the work and he came back. And there's more work to be done in the house. He's need, he needs to prepare dinner for you, literally. You won't start pampering him and telling him, oh, that you will prepare dinner for him instead. You will still send him on errands. Same thing with your faith. When you send your faith to, you put your faith to work, to do something. Jesus is just telling you that the faith has that characteristics to keep on working more and more. So you, you, you apply your faith for your health. You, you, the faith is still available to apply for. It's still available to apply for your, for your finances. The faith is still available to apply for your marriage. That same faith, you can keep on putting it to work. That's what Jesus is telling us, giving us the characteristics of faith here. Verse 11. It happened that as he made his way towards Jerusalem, he crossed the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered the village, 10 men, all lepers met him. They kept their distance, but raised their voices, calling out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Taking a good look at them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. They went, and while still on their way, became clean. One of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around and came back, shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet, so grateful. He couldn't thank him enough, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus said, we are not ten healed, we are the nine. Can none be found to come back and give glory to God except this outsider? Then he said to him, get up on your way. Your faith has healed and saved you. And as he came back with gratitude, he got a wholeness to his healing, lepers usually who go and report themselves to the priest, as we read in the Old Testament earlier on um, last month, and we found out that they go and report themselves to priests as an evidence um, so that they are declared clean and they can come into the camp. So Jesus told them to do this, but one of them realized what had happened to him and came back in gratitude and wholeness came to him. So in our lives, coming back to God brings a wholeness in what we have received from him, a completion, a, a, a fulfillment in all that we have received from him. Thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity. As we go for today, we go for in wholeness and completion and in faith, applying our faith to all that we, we need to apply to. God has given us faith. As disciples ask for faith, Jesus told them they have it. We have this faith. We have all been given a measure of faith. It's for us to use it, to apply it, to walk it, and to see the fullness of God's glory in our life. Thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity. I'll hand over to Brother John, who will take us through the Old Testament Bible reading. Have a blessed Sunday. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Brother Z. Um, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Old Testament segment of the one-year Bible reading. And um, we're in the book of First Samuel, taking, taking um, four chapters this morning. And um, I'm reading first three, praise God. First Samuel chapter three. Big thank you to the esteemed sister Maka for this opportunity. The caption is speak, speak, God. I'm ready to listen. From yesterday, we entered into the book of Samuel. And um, yeah. So from verse one, the boy Samuel was serving God under Eli's direction. This was at a time when the revelation of God was rarely heard or seen. Hmm. One night, Eli was sound asleep. His eyesight was very bad. 
he could hardly see. It was well before dawn. The sanctuary lamp was still burning. Samuel was still in bed in the temple of God, where the chest of God rested. Then God called out, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, yes, I'm here. Then he ran to Eli, saying, I heard you call. Here I am. Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And so he did. God called again, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel got up. I went to Eli. I heard you call. Here I am. Again, Eli said, son, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. This all happened before Samuel knew God for himself. It was before the revelation of God had been given to him personally. Verse 8, God called again, Samuel, the third time. Yet again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Yes, I heard you called. Here I am. That's when it dawned on Eli that God was calling the boy. So Eli directed Samuel, go back and lie down. If the voice calls again, say, speak God, I am your servant, ready to listen. Samuel returned to his bed. Verse 10, then God came and stood before him, exactly as before, calling out, Samuel, Samuel. <laughs> Samuel answered, speak, I am your servant, ready to listen. Verse 11, God said to Samuel, listen carefully. I'm getting ready to do something in Israel that is going to shake everyone up and get their attention. The time has come for me to bring down on Eli's family everything I warned him of, every last word of it. I'm letting him know that the time's up. I'm bringing judgment on his family for good. He knew what was going on, that his sons were desecrating God's name and God's peace. And he did nothing to stop them. This is my sentence on the family of Eli. The evil of Eli's family can never be wiped out by sacrifice or offering. Samuel stayed in bed until morning, then rose early and went about his duties, opening the doors of the sanctuary, for he dreaded having to tell the vision to Eli. But then Eli summoned, Samuel, Samuel, my son. Samuel came running, yes, what can I do for you? What did he say? Tell it to me, all of it. Don't suppress or soften one word, as God is your judge. I want it all, word for word, as he said it to you. So Samuel told him word for word. He held back nothing. Eli said, he is God. Let him do whatever he thinks best. <laughs> Samuel grew up. God was with him, and Samuel's prophetic record was flawless. Everyone in Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, recognized that Samuel was the real thing, a true prophet of God. God continued to show up at Shiloh, revealed through his word to Samuel at Shiloh. From this chapter, we see the character of God. Samaka would always tell us, that when we read through the scriptures, we get to see the character of God. So now we move to chapter four. The chest of God is taken. On verse one, whatever Samuel said was broadcast all through Israel. Israel went to war against the Philistines. Israel set up camp at Ebenezer, the Philistines at Aphek. The Philistines marched out to meet Israel. The fighting spread, and Israel was badly beaten. About 4,000 soldiers left dead on the field. When the troops returned to camp, Israel elders said, Why has God given us such a beating today by the Philistines? Let's go to Shiloh and get the chest of God's covenant. It will accompany us and save us from the grip of our enemies. So the armies sent others to Shiloh. They brought the chest of the covenant of God, the God of the angel arms, the cherubim enthroned God. Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, accompanied the chest of the covenant of God. When the chest of the covenant of God was brought into camp, 
Everyone give you a huge cheer. The shouts were like thunderclaps shaking the very ground. The Philistines heard the shouting and wondered what on earth was going on. What are all these shouting among the Hebrews? And they learned that the chest of God had entered the Hebrew camp. The Philistines panicked. Their gods have come to their camp. Nothing like this has ever happened before. We are done for. Who can save us from the clutches of these super gods? These are the same gods who hit the Egyptians with all the kinds of plagues in the wilderness. On your feet, Philistines. Courage. We are about to become slaves to the Hebrews, just as they have been slaves to us. Show what you are made of. Fight for your lives. And did they ever fight? It's turned into a rout. They trashed Israel so mercilessly that the Israelite soldiers ran for their lives, leaving behind an incredible 30,000 dead. As if that wasn't bad enough, the chest of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were killed. Hmm. Wow. The caption, glory is exiled from Israel. Immediately, a Benjaminite raced from the front lines from back to Shiloh. Shirt torn and face smeared with death, he entered the town. Eli was sitting on his stool beside the road, keeping vigil, for he was extremely worried about the chest of God. When the man ran straight into the town, he told the bad news. Everyone wept. They were appalled. Eli heard a loud wailing and asked, why this opera? The messenger hurriedly hurried over and reported. Eli was 98 years old then and blind. The man said to Eli, I have just come from the front, barely escaping with my life. And so my son said, Eli, what happened? The messenger answered, Israel scattered before the Philistines. The defeat was catastrophic. With enormous losses, your sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died, and the chest of God was taken. At the word chest of God, Eli fell backward off his stool, where he sat next to the gates. Eli was an old man and very fat. When he fell, he broke his neck and died. He had led Israel 40 years. His daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and ready to deliver. When she heard that the chest of God had been taken and that both her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she dropped to her knees to give birth, going into hard labor. As she was about to die, her midwife said, don't be afraid. You're giving birth to a son but she gave no sign that she had heard. The chest of God, gone. Father-in-law, dead. Husband, dead. She named the boy Ichabod. Glory is gone. Same glory is exiled from Israel since the chest of God was taken. Wow. Now to chapter 5. Caption, threatened, threatened with mass death. That's one. Once the Philistines had seized the chest of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod, brought it into the shrine of Dagon, and placed it alongside the idol of David. Next morning, when the citizens of Ashdod got up, they were shocked to find Dagon toppled from his place, flat on his face before the chest of God. They picked him up and put him back where he belonged. First thing the next morning, they found him again toppled and flat on his face before the chest of God. Dagon's head and arms were broken off, strewn across the entrance. Only his torso was in one piece. That's why even today the priests of Dagon and visitors to the Dagon shrine in Ashdod avoid stepping on the threshold. God was hard on the citizens of Ashdod. He devastated them by hitting them with tumors. This happened in both the town and the surrounding neighborhood. 
he lets loose rats among them, jumping from ships there. Rats swam all over the city, and everyone was deathly afraid. When the leaders of Astro saw what was going on, they decided the chest of God of Israel has got to go. We can't handle this. And neither can our God dig. They called together all the Philistine leaders and put it to them. How can we get rid of the chest of God of Israel? The leaders agreed, move it to Gath. So they moved the chest of God of Israel to Gath. But as soon as they moved it there, God came down hard on that city too. It was mass hysteria. He hit them with tumors. Tumors broke out of everyone in the town, young and old. So they sent the chest of God onto Akron. But as the chest was being brought into the town, the people shouted protest. Shouted in protest, you will kill us all by bringing in this chest of the God of Israel. They called the Philistine leaders together and demanded, get it out of here. This chest of the God of Israel, send it back from where it came from. We are threatened with mass death. Everyone was scared to death when the chest of God showed up. God was already coming down very hard on the place. Those who didn't die were hit with tumors. All over the city, cries of pain and lament filled the air. <laughs> Chapter 6. This pastor made me remember a message by Pastor when he was saying, Don't try to help God. God can actually fight his battles. <laughs> oh, dear, dear. The caption Go to Mozara. Verse 1, after the chest of God had been among the Philistine people for seven months, the Philistine leaders called together their religious professionals, the priests and the experts on the supernatural for consultation. How can we get rid of this chest of God? Get it off our hands without making things worse. Tell us. These guys are foolish. Verse 3, they said, if you are going to send the chest of God of Israel back, don't just dump it on them. Pay compensation. Then you will be healed. After you are in the clear again, God will let up on you. Why wouldn't he? And what exactly will make for adequate compensation? Five gold tumors and five gold rats, they said to match the number of Philistine leaders. Since all of you leaders and people suffered the same plague, make replicas of the tumors and rats that are devastating the country and present them as an offering to the glory of the God of Israel. Then maybe he will ease up and not be so hard on you and your gods and not your country. Why be stubborn like the Egyptians and Pharaoh? God didn't quit pounding on them until they let the people go. Only then did they let up. So here's what you do. Take a brand new Oscar and two cows that have never been in harness. Hitch the cows to the Oscars and send their cows back to the barn. Put the chest of God on the cart. Secure the gold replicas on the tumors and rats that you are offering as compensation in a sack and set them next to the chest and send it off. But keep your eyes on it. If it's head straight back home to where it came from, toward Beth Shemesh, it is clear that this catastrophe is a divine judgment. But if not, we will know that God has nothing to do with it. It was just an accident. That's what they did. They hitched two cows to the carts put their cows in the barn and place the chest of God and the sack of gold rats and tumors on the cart. The cows headed straight for home, down the road to Beth Shemesh, straying neither right nor left, mowing all the way. The Philistine leaders followed them to the outskirts of Beth Shemesh. The people of Beth Shemesh were harvesting wheat, wheat in the valley. They looked up and saw the chest. Elated, they ran to meet it. The cat came into the field of Joshua, a bet Shemeshite, and stopped 
there beside a huge boat. Harvester tore the cats to pieces, then chopped off the wood and sacrificed the cows as a burnt offering to God. The Levites took charge of the chest of God and the sack containing the gold offerings, placing them on the shoulder, on the border, offering the sacrifices. Everyone in Beth Shemesh worshipped God most heartily that day. When the five Philistine leaders saw what they came to see, they returned the same day to work. Five gold replicas of the tumors were offered by the Philistines in compensation for the cities of Ashdod, Gaza, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron. The five gold rats matched the number of Philistine towns, both large and small, ruled by the five leaders. The, five, the big boulder on which they placed the chest of God is still there in the field of Joshua, of Beth Shemesh, a landmark. The caption, if you're serious about coming back to God, verse 19, God struck some of the men of Beth Shemesh, who out of curiosity, irreverently peeked into the chest of God. Seventy died. The whole town was a mourn, reeling under the hard blue from God and questioned, who can stand before God, this holy God? And who can we get to take this chest off our hands? They sent emissaries to Kiriath Jerim, saying, the Philistines have returned the chest of God. Come down and get it. Now move to the last chapter. This is chapter 7. And I hand over to the esteemed sister Maka to take us through it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Brother John. Thank you so much. And they did. The men of Kiriath Jerim came and got the chest of God and delivered it to the house of Abinadab on the hill. They ordained his son Eliza to take responsibility for the chest of God. From the time that the chest came from the rest to the, came to rest in Kiriath Jerim, a long time passed. Twenty years it was, and throughout Israel, there was a widespread, fearful movement toward God. Then Samuel addressed the house of Israel, if you are truly serious about coming back to God, clean house, get rid of the foreign gods and fertility goddesses, ground yourselves firmly in God, worship him and him alone, and he will save you from Philistine oppression. They did it. They got rid of the gods and the goddesses, the images of Baal and Ashtoreth, and gave their exclusive attention and service to God. Next, Samuel said, Get everybody together at Mitzvah, Mitzvah, and I'll pray for you. So everyone assembled at Mitzvah. They drew water from the wells and poured it out before God in a ritual of cleansing. They fasted all day and prayed. We have sinned against God. So Samuel prepared the Israelites for holy war there at Mitzvah, the place where God helped us. When the Philistines heard that the Israel was meeting at Mitzvah, the Philistine leaders went on the offensive. Israel got the report and became frightened. Philistines on the move again. They pleaded with Samuel, pray with all your might and don't let up. Pray to God our God and he'll save us from the boots of the Philistines. Samuel took a young lamb, not to, yet winged and offered it whole as a whole bond offering to God. He prayed fervently to God and in, interceding for Israel and God answered. When Samuel was offering the sacrifice, the Philistines came within range to fight Israel. Just then, God thundered. Just then, God thundered. Just then, God thundered. A huge thunderclap exploding among the Philistines. They panicked, mass confusion, and ran helter scatter from Israel. Israel poured out of Mizpah and gave chase, killing Philistines right and left to a point just beyond Beth Car. Samuel took a single rock and set it upright between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, rock of help, saying, this marks the place where God helped us. The Philistines learned their lesson and stayed home. No more border crossings. God was hard on the Philistines all through Samuel's lifetime. All the cities from Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored. 
Israel also freed the surrounding countryside from Philistine control, and there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel gave solid leadership to Israel his entire life. Every year he went on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah. He gave leadership to Israel in each of these places, but always he would return to Ramah where he lived and preside from there. That is where he built an altar to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Today we've read five different chapters and it's been a long read already, but I, I believe that the words of the scriptures have impressed certain inspirations in your heart and the lessons that you have learned you'll be able to apply in your daily relationship with God and with man. Thank you so much. So I'll quickly hand over to um, Brother Martins who will take us through the um, Bible read the online affirmation and then the communion. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, esteemed Sister Martha. All right, now we're taking our affirmations. Please confirm you can see the affirmation on your screen. Praise the Lord. We take affirmation by starting with our names. My name is C. Your name, I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Christ. In this paragraph, I, your name, I'm counting according to the riches of the glory of Christ. To paragraph three, your name first, my love abounds more and more in knowledge and in our judgment. At this time, I'll kindly ask everyone to unmute their mics as we take our formation on the count of three. Please unmute your mics. My name is One, two, three. My name is Martin Suchi. Okay, quickly, we are going into our communion this time. Please take out your communion materials as we take the scriptures. First Corinthians chapter 1, chapter 11, verse 23. For I received of the Lord that which I deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, same night which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. Please do remembrance of me. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the body of Jesus Christ, for the bread that was broken for us. The body was broken for us. As we break this bread, we declare that eternal life is our present, our reality. As we break this bread, we will never be broken in life. As we break this bread, we declare that we have the unity of faith. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, go ahead and break the bread right now and eat it. Go ahead and break it. 
Praise the Lord. After the same manner also it took the cup. And he has sought, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you do show the dust dead till he comes. Precious Heavenly Father, thank you for the cup, for the blood of Christ that speaketh better things than the blood of Hebrew. Thank you for by this cup, as we drink this cup, we affirm that Jesus is Lord of our life. We affirm that that which he did on the cross, he did for us. We affirm also that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. The glory that thou hast given unto Christ, he gave unto us. Thank you, Lord God, for that glory. As many see us, they see the glory of God. And we go forth in this glory and the might of the Spirit, declaring your righteousness everywhere we go. Thank you, Lord God, for the name of Jesus is named upon us from this day and continually all the days of our lives. We give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Go ahead and take the cup. Gilon Crossi, Shalamanda, Labradiga, Garadios, Tishki, Dronski, from the Ligo, Pragadila, Hatea. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This time I'll kindly ask everyone to unmute their mics as we take the benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God, the Thank you so much, everyone, for joining. Thank you, Sister Maka, for this great opportunity. Have a most amazing day. God bless you. Take charge. Thank you so much, Brother Martin. Thank you so much, Brother Martin. Thank you, Mom.